And now it's time for Inspirational Women. And my guest, Christina Sauer, an editor with National Geographic Kids, where she works with a team to produce great, informative, and entertaining books for kids of all ages. Christina brings us a new book which is really close to her heart as she grew up on a farm, which she still gets to visit in her time off. This new book is Can't Get Enough Horse Stuff. Christina Sauer, good morning, and thank you so greatly for being with us today. Thank you so much, Kate. I'm thrilled to be here. And, you know, being able to talk to you about National Geographic books, these special ones for kids, they are an invaluable gift gift in, for the kids themselves in terms of the wealth of information but literally they can be a great gift there's all you know there's so such a variety such a cross section of books that uh, there's something for every taste and maybe something to introduce newly to a child right oh absolutely and i will say this series is called the can't get enough series and that is exactly what we do we make sure what are the kids really interested in and get that as that entry point because you know we have a lot of reluctant readers out there or even kids who love learning about information but a lot of books just touch on that surface level it's like in this case we talk about horses who doesn't love a good horse story <laughs> but we don't know that much about them so when we came up with this series we thought how can we get that entry point have some fun activities jokes but then also introduce kids to some really fun scientific concepts like anatomy, communication, behaviors in a fun, engaging way. So that actually leads me to wonder when you say when we looked at it. So as a team, you're really sketching out what the contents should be and then do the research around it or the team works on the research? Yeah, so we do a lot of research on the back end at National Geographic Kids to find out what what are the subjects that kids are interested in, what are teachers looking for, what are librarians looking for to supplement what's not only in the classroom, but just what they're learning in everyday lives at the different milestones they're at. Um, and in this particular case, this is for the age group of 7 to 10-year-olds. It's when they've kind of learned already what all the animals are. They, they can identify their favorite animal, and they're starting to understand the basics of science. So we go, okay, what are the subjects you're interested in? This one, we know everyone out there loves some horses, whether it's they were introduced from their favorite TV shows like Spirit or that they had their own animals or aspired to be a horse girl or boy. Um, we looked at that and said, okay, we're going to do this. Now we're going to bring on a writer who we know has a little bit of a background in this, is really great with the research. But not only that, we do pair them with an incredible expert reviewer. And in this case, it was Kari Turner who understands the high-level science and can make sure that everything that we present to kids is accurate. That, that is so amazing to really have that attention to all the detail. It's just so invaluable. And yet, you know, we... So we can trust it, and everything here is just, again, so informative and so much fun. And, of course, the pictures, well, you, you just can't get away from how invaluable a resource they are as well. Oh, yes, and there are some funny ones. Horses, um, we introduced that horses can make 17 different expressions with their faces, and I guarantee you're going to find all of them in this book. 
Amazing. It's so it's that sort of detail, uh, that bit of information to to even think about that. We w- I mean, I don't even think about it. Maybe a child does, though. You know, when they're really curious and say, "Oh, the horse is looking like that," and they they can kind of be intuitive too, can't they, children, in terms of, of those expressions and knowing what they mean. Exactly, and I think as a kid. They are the the blank slate, the ones who want to understand everything that's happening in the world around them. So I always say that kids ask the most intuitive, most inquisitive questions that are like, I want to understand this. I want to know what's going on. And we love to answer it. So a lot of times when the writer's working on a manuscript or we're putting together those photos, it is with that child in mind, what questions they are asking us and that they want to know, you know. Maybe you and I aren't so concerned with, like, how you measure a horse, but a kid does. They want to know why is it in hands and not feet. And we say exactly why, but in a way that doesn't feel like, oh, kind of like in a classroom setting. It's more like, okay, here we go. We're going to take a personality quiz and see which horse you'd be. And by the end, you've learned the characteristics or personalities of different horses based on your own. And in my case, I'm a Tennessee walker, but there are some kids who are definite Mustangs, and they learn based on on relating it to themselves. See, isn't that just amazing? And how that really impacts them and I think opens up their own creativity to a, a whole other level. It really does. And a lot of this book is not only a great educational tool, um, we say secretly an educational tool, but It also is aspirational. We include a lot of information about different jobs, careers, occupations that people are pursuing in relation to what a kid loves. I feel like this is the age when everyone wants to know, what am I going to be when I grow up? And, you know, if a kid goes, but I like horses, the usual answer is, well, then you can go be an equine vet. Here we say, that's just one job. You can go be a horse trainer. You can also be a documentary filmmaker and you meet the person who's out there saving Mustangs in the the continental U.S. We talk about scientists who are studying like cave paintings and digging up bones of horses to understand the history of the horse and how it got here and where it came from. Um, It's absolutely one of the best books for any child, whether they have an interest in animals and being a veterinary doctor, or maybe they just really like art or writing or even in some cases, physical therapy. We talk about hypnotherapy, and um, one individual is a mini horse therapist. Oh, that is incredible. A mini horse, yeah. Well, those are the, are they called mini horses? There's another name for them as well, isn't there? Oh, yeah. We actually talk about the fact that, because I don't know if you knew this, I didn't know this either, but horses, ponies, and mini horses are all the same species. It's just dependent on what their height is. So a mini horse is simply a horse that's no more than 38 inches. But if you're thinking of a specific breed, that's probably the Shetland pony. They're so cute. Oh, they are. Yes, you almost want to have them as your pet. So you bring them in the house. But of course, you can't really do that. But they are adorable. They really are. So you were talking about then the mini horse being, did you say 37 inches? Only 38 inches. 38 inches. Okay. So how does that compute to um, hands? How many hands is that? Oh, my goodness. Oh. (laughs) So. (laughs) It's a few hands. I'm going to do math today. Um, So um, a one hand is actually four inches, 
And if I'm doing my math correctly, that should equate to a little over nine hands. Yeah, that's true. But earlier on, you said that we measure a horse in terms of hands instead of how how tall they are in terms of maybe feet. So why is it used? Why is hands used? Hands is just a measurement that has been around for a long time. And it's because the horse is measured actually from the ground to their shoulder blades. And Mm. I wish we discussed a little bit more about why we, we... do that, but for kids, it just kind of helps out understand that that's the most consistent height mm-hmm. based on horse breed. And that's really great in itself that it, they are measured that way. But uh, And then just to their shoulder, the head is not included in that. No. And we talk a lot about different heights of animals and, and especially the different breeds. Some of them have different vertebrae. And some of them don't have certain vertebrae. And that's what allows them, such as an Arabian, to move to their tail straight up and down. We also talk about how much they weigh, too, which is a huge difference between a Belgian draft horse and that Shetland pony. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about some of them, and, and we relate them to things that kids know, such as a baby whale. Or maybe, in that case, that's a Belgian draft horse is about the size of a baby humpback whale, which is huge huge to me. It's 2,200 pounds, and I had no idea a horse could be that big. Oh, exactly. <laughs> they are massive. And then when you think that within the same family, there are the mini horses, which are only like 38 inches, that, you know, only three feet tall, a little over. Uh, that is just so fascinating. And kids do love those sorts of interesting facts. Oh, yeah. And we even talk about those early horses, too. We know that the earliest horse was called an Eohippus, and that one is actually only the size of a dog. So we've seen a dramatic evolution of these animals, and it's fun because you actually get to see a picture so kids can see what a, a horse that looks like a dog, basically that size, would have looked like back in you know 50 million years ago. Exactly. And that, of course, we know from fossil records, true? Yes, that we do. Again, just so fascinating. And now, thinking still along the lines of the actual physical horse and their feet, which are their hooves, the hoof is not really the foot, though, is it? No, I thought this was fascinating, too. So I grew up on a farm, so we had horses growing up. And I remember we'd always have a farrier come out, and the farrier would trim their hooves. And I used to think, or even when I'd see when they put horse shoes on a horse and they'd nail them in, I was like, oh my gosh, that has to be painful. Could you imagine yes. them doing that to your own feet? Oh. But it turns out they're not feet at all. They're just a toenail and you can trim it. And I've even seen so far as people have special horse toenail paint um, that is safe for them. <laughs> and they actually do paint them for for decorative reasons, I guess? Oh, yes. There are lots of uh, different ways to do it, whether you do it on their hooves or we'll see a lot of braiding for horses. So their mane or their hair, essentially, is so much fun. And horses honestly love it. And it's, and it's completely fine for them. Actually, it's healthy to trim their, na- their toenails or their hooves and braid their hair to protect them from any damage or dirt or debris that's around them. Well, I've certainly seen that, you know, when you go to the county fair or something like that, and they have all the the different kinds of horse uh, shows that are going on. So you see that 
the the braiding done and it is beautiful and there are ribbons and that sort of thing but just in general it's a good thing to do for the for the horse yes it actually is it also prevents their hair from breaking um Mm. because it can get especially since it's exposed to the outdoors and the sun and different conditions um if you braid it it prevents it from breaking and causing knots or tangles oh really protect this this lovely animal which is so does so much service in our world, but um, in so many ways. You were mentioning how they are therapy horses, though, too. And th- that part I've heard before, and I find that to be so fascinating. And it, they really do good work, particularly with children, but I think probably with adults, where there's just what a bond, for one, that occurs between the two. Yeah it's not only a bond between a horse and a child or another individual going to therapy because there is a a connection. They have these personalities. They're incredibly intelligent creatures and very aware of what's going on. But a horse's gait actually simulates a person walking. So many times it's someone with cerebral palsy or someone who has balance issues or maybe not that tighter core gets on a horse and starts riding horses on a regular basis it actually helps your muscles um, and trains them to tell your brain how to keep your balance. So we've seen kids and adults who go through horseback riding lessons have the ability to walk or keep their balance or maintain a, a stronger posture simply from being on a horse. Oh, isn't that just wonderful? And the horses, of course, go through training in order to be that, just like we have... Um... Uh, dogs that are seeing eye dogs for one they have to have a a particular personality to be able to do that so it is with horses correct it is true don't try riding one of those wild stallions and think (laughs) you're going to be able to stay off (laughs) they are highly trained and usually the individuals working with them are occupational therapists um, and they know the best methods to work with you on a horse and that's And that's another one of those aspirational jobs that you can become an occupational therapist and work with kids with with special needs or also any individual who needs to kind of get healthier because the act of riding a horse is actually very good for us. Not only does it lower our blood pressure, but it keeps our muscles in shape, which, you know, you don't think about because you feel like, isn't the horse doing all the work? But you're actually actively participating in it. You're holding your core and sitting up straight making sure your legs are tight on the horse so you don't fall over. Yeah, yes. Uh, and so someone with muscle issues, that would definitely, we can see where that would have that great value and help them. Yes. And even someone who doesn't, who wants to have better posture or stronger back and, and core muscles, it's as good as yoga. You're making me just sit up straighter in my chair right now just by saying that. <laughs> But I, and you know, when you think of someone who we see in competition and the, the way that they are riding, they they do have great posture. Yes. It's very important, too, because you are on a moving animal. And so we actually talk about in this book kind of the fun aspects. What's, what's this dressage and talking about how there are actual competitions where these horses move to music and you have to keep that straight posture in order to stay on that horse. And also direct the horse, too, because you use things called reins, which are those what they look like ropes. They're usually straps 
connected to the horse to move their head and tell them which direction to go. Um, we also have kids design their own riding outfit. Um, it's very important. You have to have that helmet on because even though you're sitting up straight, sometimes you can fall off just like any other activity, like riding a bicycle. So we tell them, okay, make sure you have a helmet. And then what else do you want to wear when you're doing whichever activity you want to do on your horse? So, Christina, you mentioned that you grew up on a farm, and you had horses, true? Oh, yes. We had seven growing up. And so did you have one that was your horse? Yes. I had. We actually named our horses after the Peanuts characters. Oh. <laughs> so we had everything from Chief Snoopy to the Red Baron. Um, my sister deviated a little bit, and I honestly think this was my favorite horse name. It was an Arabian named Princess Lilac. Ooh. And she was quite the little personality. Um, but my favorite had to be Tucker. And Tucker was a little miniature horse that pulled a cart. Oh, oh, how cute. And did you get to get, be pulled by Tucker? Yes. He yeah. loved to run. And as a kid, we had to make sure we were with my dad because otherwise he would take off and I would be gone. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine the other thing with having those who are fortunate like yourself to have a horse, it really does teach um, a lot of responsibility in terms of care and and uh, just all the, the maintenance and upkeep that goes along with it. Oh, absolutely. And we don't touch on it as much in this book because it's mostly about the science behind a lot of these animals. But the truth is you kind of figure out as you're going along that, that these animals do need a lot of care and they are very reliant on us for the most part and, and need humans to, whether it's the, the wild mustangs that they're, they're capturing and, and rescuing, um, they need humans to, to depend on. And we talk a little bit about what they eat and what care you need to take for them, what their gait look like so you know when they're, and, and when they're running, which is called a canter or a gallop or they're walking. We also talk about communication too. So if you do, whether you have your own animal or you see an animal, how you can best care for them as well. And knowing that if they're angry, you probably know because their ears are pinned back and, and they're making uh, some, they're pawing the ground and, and their lips are, are pursed and their necks really tight if they all of a sudden get fearful. Or if they're calm, their ears are kind of out to the side, their eyes are a little droopy, just like humans. Um, so we really go into some of the nuances of what what would it be like to have your own horse or interact with a horse. And this so, important. Yes, and that's what I think is so valuable because I there is something about um, kids. I have a, a nephew who is just so enthralled with horses, and they don't have a horse, but he is taking uh, riding lessons, and it's it's so great to see how he has evolved with this. But I think. Book, a book like this, which is Can't Get Enough Horse Stuff, really helps to give that much more insight and information to to guide along with such an experience. Oh, absolutely. This sets them up that especially a child who would love to, to have a horse or love to interact with horses, it gives them that basis of understanding. It's almost like when you had a, a when a kid's asked for a pet puppy. <laughs> And you're like, all right, but you got to prove to me. Can you clean up after yourself? Can you do all of this? 
here is giving them the tools of, okay, this is, this is much bigger than a little dog. What, what all do I need to know before I invest in an animal or, or even approach an animal that is significantly larger than me? Right. Yes. Uh, so there's great value for the parents along with the child to to get all that information. And this is written in such a way, I, I mean, I as an adult find so much information I didn't know, and it's so entertaining. So it has that dual purpose. It's written for this younger age, but at any age, we're learning a lot. Oh, absolutely. And it is, it's such an easy read. And it doesn't require you to read from cover to cover. It's basically just open it up and learn something new about horses or get those really bad dad jokes about horses <laughs> and bring them to your family. <laughs> is there one that perhaps stands out for you? Oh, my goodness. It's a very cheesy joke, and I absolutely love it. Are you ready for this? Okay. Who were the two most famous horse thieves? I... Bonnie and Clydesdale. <laughs> oh. It's uh, so bad. It's good. Yes, you, you're you so right. And, and there are others in the book that uh, are, are just really fun. The, the other fun thing is how we use the terminology around horses just in our everyday language, like, you know, quit horsing around. Yes. We talk about all the different things in English that we just use as common phrases. And I don't know about you, but some of them I was like, I didn't even think about the fact that that relates to horses. And I say it all the time, like, straighten the horse's mouth or put the cart before the horse. <laughs> and we play a matching game with kids so they can go, hmm, what does that actually mean? Right. You know, it just is so interesting how we pick that up and not think of the, you know, really that the origin around it. No. And we, we actually go into a few of them of where it came from originally. Like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. It seems like a really strange phrase when you think about it. You're like, well, why, why would I lead a horse to water and why wouldn't it drink? And we actually talk about the science of that. We say horses actually need a balance of water and salt in their bodies. So if they deplete both at the same time with sweat, their bodies don't actually realize that they're thirsty. So even if you brought them to the water, unless they, of their own volition, drink the water, they won't drink it. They won't understand why you're, sending, you're putting them in front of water. That is interesting. And do horses um, perhaps, are they able to live without water longer than a human can? Mm, that's a really good question. I'm just wondering. I, you know, I'm wondering too. That's okay. We just I go, actually don't know the answer yeah. to that one. I need to look that one up now. <laughs> well, I you know I was just thinking of that in terms of, you know, if when you lead them to water, if they have a sense of, uh, well, being a river, there's plenty of water, but they might think, have a sense that it's not safe, that there's something in there not safe for you or for the human that they're with. It, it's just a, an interesting thought that floated through my head, just... Well, oh, I'm I'm sure there there's been, and we don't mention it in this book particularly, but we have in the back some resources. As soon as the child's done, what's the next thing they want to read? Um, and it's all on different types of books that National Geographic has. And we actually do have some rescue stories, chapter books that after they read this book, they can go to that talk about 
the sixth sense that animals seem to have to rescue us, horses, cats, other animals that are their favorites, um, that they somehow know something's going on before we do. And I can say from personal experience, whenever there was a thunderstorm or really bad storm headed our way, the animals would start to get agitated. And it wouldn't be until a little bit later that the news would even catch on and be like, oh, take shelter. There's, there's a thunderstorm on our way. But if they start running and trying to find shelter, you knew something's up. That is interesting. And I think we kind of have a sense of it. Uh, I think I've heard like with birds or with dogs, if they're, we're in an mm-hmm. earthquake country. So we hear that they just start to act differently. Uh, there's almost like a calmness that wasn't there before be- if there's an earthquake imminent. Wow. Yeah. yeah. There, I, I wish we had some of their senses. <laughs> Maybe because they know how to, what, be just themselves rather than, uh, you know, spending too much time like we do uh, going it's in too many different, right? It's true. They also, did you know that horses only sleep one to three hours a day? Could you imagine what we'd get accomplished if we only had to sleep <laughs> one to three hours a day? That, you know, isn't that interesting? And when they do that, they they normally are standing. Is that right? Yes. They sleep standing up, which to me sounds like a horrible experience, but that's how their bodies are built. Although you will see some horses lay down if they need to. But for the most part, they'll just fall asleep standing up and have their eyelids shut, but they're still aware of what's going on around them. So there's the the intuition, uh, kind of there there's there's a safety factor to have around us. If uh, you know, thinking about the days when horses were the transportation that people had, that they they definitely were a way to keep safe. Absolutely. So looking at, again, this book is so fascinating with all the the great pictures, the wonderful colors, and just uh, the relatability of all of it into our our own life. So there's the, the section by the numbers. So we have horsepower versus horsepower. And, uh, and, and that really is, I think, a very direct correlation, isn't it, in terms of using horsepower? So that is a myth that we have to bust. (laughs) I always thought that horsepower meant it was literally the power a horse could exert. And it isn't at all. And I think this spread is the most fun spread of them all because we actually show you what does horsepower mean. And horsepower actually was back in the day, James Watt had this incredible steam engine, but he had to convince people to give up horses to use for the steam engine instead. He's like, this is more efficient. And in order to convince them, he said, okay, but this is this steam engine can replace how many of your horses instead. And so basically horsepower is just moving one pound, 33,000 feet in one minute. And what we do is we actually show you how much that horsepower really is. So a human is, is 1.2 horsepower and a passenger jet is 2,222 or 222,000 horsepower. <laughs> that is really mind-boggling, thinking of those numbers. But, you know, I think that we still somehow uh, have that misconception that, oh, yeah, it has to do with actual horses. But, no, it it's... <laughs> 
We absolutely do. And that's why we also dispel it by saying, wait, just to reconfirm it, we actually have a picture of a horse and say that a horse has 15 horsepower. So not exactly a one-to-one ratio here. No, definitely (laughs) not. Uh, And suffice it to say, all of these things that uh, we've just covered in a very short time are packed within this book, just with great facts and dispelling fiction and just seeing how beautiful these animals are and what they've done for us and how they keep contributing in our life. Yes, and it's only 128 pages, but it's honestly not very text-dense. Just kind of very fun text boxes, little blurbs, short paragraphs. So any child can pick this up between that 7 and 10 range and feel like they can read this book. And even if they can't necessarily read some of the words, they get it through the pictures. The pictures are just splattered on every single page. Exactly. It's it is beautiful. Just we can always count on National Geographic to give us amazing photographs, great pictures, and this fits right in there. And besides being entertaining, it's just so informative. And as we said, for all ages, you don't have to be a child uh, at the level this is written for. I mean, I can read it and really feel it's talking to me directly. I don't, I, yeah. I don't feel talked down to, right? Absolutely. It's a conversational tone. You could literally read it out loud. I would love to read it out loud in whether you're sitting on the couch together or on a road trip, that's just the feeling it has. It would be funny being like, a horse's coat is referred to as hair, not fur. Um, some horses can grow mustache. That's how simple and accessible this text is. Right. So, so interesting. And now readily available at all of our favorite book sources. Correct, Christina? Yes, it is. Wherever you get your favorite book, whether online or in a brick-and-mortar store, you can get can't get enough horse stuff. So think about birthdays. Think about all the special occasions, the different holidays that are upcoming in this latter part of the year. And uh, this is sure to be a very welcome gift by any kiddo. And with that, Christina, I'm so happy that we've had this opportunity to get a more uh, close look at National Geographic's latest Can't Get Enough Horse Stuff. Thank you so much for all the work that you've done on it. And thank you for taking time with us this morning. Thank you so much, Kate. It was a pleasure to be here. That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Christina Sauer and Sunday Morning Magazine with Dr. Robin Hanley Defoe. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or to share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. And I now wish you and your family a day of embracing our life experiences and finding the support and messages to live life vibrantly. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.